Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, it worked again. I feel like the uh, fade out's a little bit too uh, too too long there. It's like three seconds of silence. Yeah, it hits you pretty hard, but uh, we're back. So uh, welcome in to another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlon, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. We are live streaming again, but I imagine we've also got a sizable audience, because we do have a sizable audience, listening <laughs> <laughs> probably on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. So we will... Uh, we're talking visuals or things like that we'll try to make sure we are inclusive for those who are not watching live or listening live yes for sure we still had a lot more listeners than we did viewers last week but it's fun to jump on here uh wednesdays around 6 p.m to 8 p.m probably depending on the week will depend on the time but jump on here on the live stream every wednesday and chop it up about jmu football jmu sports in general um, it's exciting to have it as a live stream now. It makes my life easier. You can find us on Twitter. If you're watching on Twitter, that's where we're live streaming. And if you Lou, can't talk, if head on over to YouTube and check us out on YouTube as well, JMU Sports News there, you can actually comment live on that stream and it will be included in our stream here. We can pull in the comments and answer them there. Twitter, it doesn't have that capability with our streaming service as of right now so if you want to kind of leave a comment drop a question you can do it on twitter we'll try and get we'll try and see it as it pops up but on youtube it'll be right in front of our face for sure that's always nice yes we appreciate any questions anyone has obviously so before we get to a very exciting sunbelt football saturday we got to plug three notched of course right they're our sponsor for this jmu football season oktoberfest beers are here Folks, is, they're here. That's super exciting. You got the Minuteman Mondays. I still need to get to Harrisonburg for one of those because I love their Minuteman beers. And you got Wednesday game nights, $5 flagship pint. I also have a three-notch beer that I am drinking at the moment. I think this one's brewed in Charlottesville. It was a limited series. lemon drop. But uh, I like their other beers as well that they have year-round. Yeah, Bennett, we're going to have to figure out a Monday that we both don't have much going on and drive to meet up in Harrisonburg, spend the night in that one Airbnb <laughs> that we stayed in uh, for the JMU UVA game and have ourselves a fantastic Minuteman Monday. How nice does that sound? That sounds like a fantastic Monday. And you know what else sounds like a fantastic Monday in Virginia? Betting sports with Bet Online. No. It's the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews, news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, the National Basketball Association, National Hockey League, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information. From live in-game betting, props, and futures to other things as well. I assume there's going to be a two considering it said from, um, but that's on me. I didn't proofread the copy. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50. That's promo code BELIEVE50 50 as I'm fixing it on the screen as we speak. 
Believe 50. It's right there. B-L-E-A-V 50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online. It is where the game starts. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. And I think we have one more housekeeping thing. As a friendly reminder, Patreon is here, folks. Uh, I think it's 10 bucks a month and you get a lot of exclusive content. And now as the season is starting to ratchet up, things are getting a lot more interesting. The Sun Belt's good. We urge you to head on over to Patreon and check that out. Weekly roundtables, weekly press comp. Well, with the bye week being this weird bye week so early on the season, it's kind of a weird week as is. But normally weekly roundtables, weekly press conference breakdowns, uh, film breakdowns when we have the time to do it. A lot more exclusive content is coming your way on the Patreon. Just type in Jamie Sports News in the search bar on Patreon.com and check us out there. Heck yeah, because to really populate that site, especially as football season ramps up. And we'll get into this in a little bit, but first two weeks were kind of exciting, but they were also, you know, Middle Tennessee and Norfolk State. So I think the rest of the year is going to have a lot more to it, I would say. I think Middle Tennessee was fun, though. Like, the build-up to it. That was fun, th- yeah. The thought that it was going to be a close game and then just absolutely sure. blowing him out. Norfolk State, I mean, we probably won't even talk about it. We'll probably end up talking about App State's game more than we're going to talk about JMU Norfolk State. It was an absolute snoozer. wasn't great. 63-7. Yeah, 10-minute fourth. Have you ever seen a 10-minute fourth? 10-minute fourth quarter. I feel like they played a shortened one before, a running clock maybe before. I don't know if they've gone the fourth being just 10 minutes, but obviously a little bit overmatched if you're shortening the game. um so that was was interesting i don't think centeo played in the second half if i have that correct from re-watching it so i think his his 12 for 17 for 165 yards three touchdowns and like 29 rushing yards was all in the first half so he was really good the running game was good but also not really surprising because there's a pretty significant gap in terms of athleticism and, and talent and all that stuff from jamie to norfolk state um I don't know. I mean, I have no issue with them playing the game, honestly, because I feel like at the FBS level in a really tough G5 division, having an FCS game that feels like an easy win and where you can get the backups in is not the worst way to schedule moving forward. So I'm okay with it, um, but it's it's certainly boring from like, uh, you know, watching the full 60 minutes of the game perspective. Yeah, I don't think I watched the full six. I think after halftime, much like the starters, I was out. I went back and watched it, which is pretty cool on ESPN plus or ESPN three. Cause you can skip ahead like in, I don't know if it's 10 or 15 second intervals, but That's you can nice. watch the game in like 25 minutes <laughs> if you're skipping properly. So I was, I was doing that. Um, and you watch it all pretty easily. If you want to watch a cool play twice or something, you can't kind of a sneaky, good way to watch it. Um, I guess you could have done that on flow. No, but I didn't. Don't, I don't give them credit. I tried to not use flow much. It's very easy and seamless with, with ESPN's network. So have enjoyed doing that, but are there any standout performances from this game for you? I mean, the Todd Santeo and Chris Thornton connection is alive and well, that's going to be a fantastic one, two punch um, QB wide receiver duo. Really fun to watch for the rest of the year. Todd Santeo, it was a terrible defense and it was a complete, you know, mismatch on all fronts. But Todd Santeo continues to deal. He's really proving that he is a solid, solid quarterback, which I don't think is a huge surprise. 
but at the same time, it is nice to kind of have what our thoughts were confirmed through these first two weeks. Um, 165 yards, three touchdowns, 12 of 17 through the air, all in one half of action. He connected with Chris Thornton uh, for seven receptions, 102 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, and a sneaky pick, Devin Ravenel. Reggie Brown was banged up this week, so Reggie Brown didn't get the start, I think, at the th- slot receiver, wide receiver three mark. Um, so Devin Ravenel got the start there, and he had a really solid game, three catches, two of which were for touchdowns. Um, he just looked fast. He looked good. He jumped off the screen on one of his touchdown catches. So it's really exciting to see him kind of come into his own. Hopefully him and Reggie will kind of battle for that wide receiver three spot, uh, considering that Chris Thornton has wide receiver one nailed down. It might even be wide receiver two. I forgot how they list out the two deep, but Devin Ravenel having a really solid first half of action was really good to see considering the rest of this schedule is a murderer's row of who's who. Really tough schedule. Uh, defensively, I thought Jamari Edwards had some good stats, but then James Carpenter was a freak. He had the eight tackles, that <laughs> nose tackle, two and a half tackles for loss. And I kind of have to own up to one here, right? Because I had that uh, I had that preseason thing where I was like, I don't know if I like James Carpenter at 276 pounds as your nose guard. So far, so good, I would say. He's been really productive at that spot. I still think that it would have been nice if they had Thurston and was it Negron, I guess, just for depth, yeah. because they still haven't played a Sunbelt game, which I feel like a lot of fans have forgotten because everyone seems like so on board with the Sunbelt because of what the conference achieved, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But they still haven't played a Sunbelt game. So it's like, I didn't doubt that James Carpenter would go off against like Norfolk State. Like, that's that's not surprising. He's a good player. So I'm interested to see how they do, I guess, throughout the course of the Sunbelt season. Yeah. That's the competition gets harder. I think depth would have been nice, but yeah, he's very good. I didn't really doubt that, that he was good. I just wish there was a little more depth, but he's maybe played even slightly above my expectations. I think he's been fantastic. Um, and the whole team has really been fantastic. Even with the schedule not being hard, they've been really good on offense and defense. I think special teams have kind of left a few things out there, which will be interesting to watch the rest of the season. Cause they haven't really needed good special teams in certain phases. In terms of like, yeah, they haven't needed like important field goals when you're winning a game. What's the total thing? It's like 107 to 14, like total points scored versus allowed this year. I believe that's right. Yeah. So they've almost outscored their two opponents by a combined 100 points. So they haven't needed like, oh, I don't know, a clutch field goal before the half. You know what I mean? So like when they had that mishap against Middle Tennessee, it didn't end up mattering. So I think yeah. that's an area where I'm interested to see how they improve. Although I think they had some nice punt return things. But yeah, I don't know. Are you surprised at all by maybe how efficient they've looked in the first two weeks? So offensively, I thought they were going to be good. Yeah. Like I, I didn't come into this. I mean, my bold prediction, I said it last week, was that Todd Santeo was going to win Sunbelt Player of the Year. Like I thought this offense, which by the way, he's on track to do good so, so. Pat myself on the back there. But the offense itself hasn't really shocked me. Um Week one, I thought they'd put up a lot of points. I thought the defense would allow a lot of points. I think it's the flip where it's how good this defense has been. Mm -hmm. Granted, they only had one interception this week against Norfolk State. They allowed a 90-yard completion, um, which was garbage time, so it doesn't matter as much. But it does worry me a little bit that there's only one pass breakup, one interception. Actually, I don't even know if there was one interception. Yeah, one interception, three pass breakups. Um. 
it gives me a little bit of pause for concern. But offensive efficiency, it's right where I thought it would be. Defensive efficiency, a little better than I thought it was going to. I do think there are a lot of issues that have been masked by two subpar quarterbacks that Chase Bryce will exploit come two weeks from now. Um, so I'm holding my breath for that. But as of right now, I'm cautiously optimistic about what this defense has done. We got to talk secondary a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Because the 91-yard touchdown, it was in garbage time. But it was also like the first drive of the second half or something hilarious, which is why this game was so funny. Because garbage time was like anything after the first five minutes. Yeah. But it was Honestly, like... <laughs> after the first – they got up 20 – they 21 skunked Norfolk State at a mind-boggling pace. I think – yeah, it was like in the first ten minutes, all of a sudden, boom! It was twenty-one-zero, and you're like, "What just happened?" It was pretty fast. Yeah, so then they give up the long touchdown, which was like a blown coverage for sure, where the corner, <laughs> the corner was like stationary, even though the guy just ran like a straight go route. And the safety didn't come over, so clearly some miscommunication there. They put in Chauncey Logan, the true freshman, a little bit, who I thought was impressive. He had a breakup. Uh, before the half, he finished the game with two pass breakups. They've talked a lot about his athleticism. He's 6'1", 205, which for JMU's level feels like size they don't get a lot at corner, right? Like Jimmy Moreland is one of their best corners in recent memory, and he did not have size. He had like a great athleticism, quickness, and toughness, but he didn't have size. So to have a guy from Salem, Virginia, over six feet tall, 205 pounds. I think they stuck him at receiver for a little bit because he played there at high school. I want to say he was like practicing there maybe. Um, but they got him back at corner. I don't know. Like I, I would not, not be even on the two deep though. They don't list him. Is this the most recent one? This is the most recent two deep because you brought this name up. And like, yeah, I feel like I know the two deeps pretty well considering, you know, we do this for fun, but we are a little obsessive when it comes to JMU sports and you brought his name up and that didn't really ring a bell to me and he wasn't listed on the two deep. So you're really finding a guy who is buried deep on this roster. I think the two deep next week might have him or there's going to be some gamesmanship. He, I think he'll play like against Appalachian state and I think he'll play. What do you, what do you think? What did he do? Well, that made, and I know you probably just answered this, but I wasn't fully paying attention as I was trying to pull up this two deep. What did he do well that made him just really jump off the screen to you? So there was a play before the half that was called for pass interference. I want to say it was Coakley. I think it was Coakley. But he was kind of in there and had a little too much body, I guess, got called for pass interference. So Norfolk State wasn't kicking a field goal. They wanted to score a touchdown before the half. They're going in. They threw like a fade. And it looked like the receiver had it, and Logan like smacked it out of his hands. He just seemed to be in the right spot most of the time. The coaches have talked about him being one of the most athletic guys on the team. I don't know, like at his size and what the coaches have said. And like, I've listened to a lot of um, Dave Riggert, who's obviously the radio guy. And he seems very plugged in because I think he has a lot of side conversations that are not (laughs) on the air. Yeah. It gives him a lot of background of what they like. And he keeps mentioning Chauncey Logan to a point where I feel like he's got a chance to play some legitimate snaps against Appalachian State. So, I'm interested to see how that develops because I do worry a little bit because there were some plays that Norfolk State probably should have had in the passing game. There were definitely some plays Middle Tennessee should have had in the passing game that they missed. I don't know. I just feel like that corner spot in the secondary is still like a valid area of concern. Can I ask you a question as we look up the two deep full screen here from this last week? 
who do you take out? And I know that might be a loaded question because we just haven't seen too much, but like who does he replace here in this two deep? They list four corners. It's Jordan Swan and Brent Austin and Xavier Coakley and Antoine Booth. Do you think he's outperformed any of them there or he'll kind of just find a role somewhere on there? Uh, I mean, my guess would be Coakley, but I also could see them doing it where it's like they play Swan, they play Coakley. And if Chase Bryce is having a day and he's picking on one of them, they quickly go to Chauncey Logan. So I think that could be a scenario too. And I'm interested to see what happens, right? Because they haven't actually faced any adversity this season. Yeah. Like they haven't trailed yet, if I'm not mistaken on that. They have not. Yeah. So like, (laughs) I think it's probably realistic. They'll trail at some point against Appalachian State. But I don't know, because that's a spot... I know you were concerned about that coming into the season. Are you still kind of have some questions about corner and, and DB? Oh, 100 million percent. The fact you only got one interception against Norfolk State's not good. The fact you allowed a 90-yard touchdown is not good, even if it's in garbage time. Um, they got down to like the one-yard line right before halftime, and some weird clock management slash coaching decisions allowed them not to score. But the, the secondary still gives me a lot of – pause chase cunningham could have carved up this secondary there were times his wide receivers were running wide open deep down the field and he just could not hit them um and that would have really ballooned up their stats overall i'm still really hesitant to buy any type of stock in this back back five on this jmu defense the front seven though the front six because they run a four two five the front six are monsters though and i think it's going to cover up a lot of secondary issues. But if there's ever a game or if there's ever a drive or if there's ever a quarter where the front six, where the defensive line isn't getting a push off and it's giving the opponent opposing quarterback two, three, four seconds to stand in the pocket, I think the secondary is going to get shredded um, time and time again if that is ever the case. I think the point about the interceptions is pretty interesting too, because I imagine there are probably some fans who are like, oh, you know, they've only given up 14 points. Like, why is them only getting one interception in in the game against Norfolk State a concern? Like, why is that? Feels like picking nits. When they were at their best, like they're the last like five to ten years, or whatever, since we've kind of followed them. Yeah. Like some of those defenses were absurd at creating turnovers, right? They had wouldn't they have 10 against South Dakota State or something hilarious in a playoff game? Yes. Like yeah. it was it was crazy. Jimmy Moreland had that streak, I think, where it was like three consecutive games with an interception or maybe a pick six. It was something stupid it was a pick like six. that. That's what it was. So like when they're making plays and the defense is really dynamic, that's a big deal. The offense this year has yet to turn the ball over. There have been some throws that probably should have been intercepted and might be interceptions against better teams in the Sun Belt. But overall, the offense has been really efficient. They had one fumble, it went out of bounds. So no turnovers this year. They forced two fumbles and recovered them. And then they've also had the one interception, but forcing like three turnovers in two games against kind of subpar competition isn't crazy. It's like a you can't really complain too much, but it's an area where when you're playing these games that are going to be decided by a few plays against really good competition, creating a turnover or two could be the difference between winning and losing. So I think it is a fair point that you're not asking the the corners just to kind of be in position to be to make it a tough throw like. At times, you would like to force some takeaways, and that's where I think Chauncey Logan's kind of interesting because he has a background playing receiver. He's somebody who has a ton of size where I think he can maybe not make things just tough but also force takeaways. Yeah. Swan had the interception this weekend, so that's the kind of stuff that is worth monitoring moving forward. 
It's also to me when you're playing an opponent that is so much worse than you in Norfolk State. Like, I'm not even asking for you to get a lot of interceptions when you're in the middle of the Sun Belt East schedule, but against a bad team that in theory you're better than that you've studied the tape of, you should be able to put yourself in the opportunity in the spots that you know the ball is going and get interceptions. I'm not saying that should be you should be getting a uh, turnover a game against better competition, but this was a game you should get two, three interceptions on because you should be able to set yourself up in the right spot. And it's also the fact they only had three pass breakups. So it's not like they were getting in when receivers – granted, I will say, there were only nine completions. He did go nine of 20, the starting quarterback. So we're not we're not talking about a huge sample here by any means. But I, I guess I'm just being a little bit greedy considering we've been blessed with, you know, the best FCS defense of the last 10 years. The defense was awesome. Like, it's hard to actually complain much about the defense. I just think it is definitely interesting that um, there's probably still some fair questions about the secondary because, again, they still haven't played like an elite level Sunbelt kind of team. And they've got that coming up next. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the perfect segue. We can do a quick around the Sun Belt if you want to, breaking breaking away from this Norfolk State breakdown and around the Sun Belt while JMU was beating up on an FCS school. The rest of the Sun Belt East was beating up on Power 5 programs, two of which were top 10 in the nation. Yeah, like what an <laughs> insane, <laughs> insane week for the Sun Belt. You've got Marshall earliest in the day playing at Notre Dame and I was like all right they're hanging in there pretty well and I, I turned the game on sort of toward the end yep and was watching it I think there were like 10 minutes left in the fourth they were down three and they got the ball after a Notre Dame punt it was a good punt and they called fair catch at like their own six so they're down three 10 minutes left and they have like a 94 yard drive in front of them and they just like made it happen despite only having 12 points to that point they go down score a touchdown which was awesome really good drive I think the next drive, they get a pick six, which was just perfectly jumping a route for a score. And then they gave up some touchdown late, but held on for the win. Huge win over Notre Dame. It's a Notre Dame team that was in the top 10. It was at Notre Dame. That's a historic program. Huge for Marshall. Then you got Appalachian State later in the day that goes up and plays or goes down and plays Texas A&M, a game that I didn't think was going to be that close because they gave up 63 points to North Carolina. So I figured Texas A&M would find some ways to score. One of Texas A&M scores was a kickoff return. And they only scored 14 points. It was 17 to 14. What? Just to <laughs> chime in really quick, what was said from week one to week two to that App State defense? From Because I'm not, I don't think UNC's offense is that much better than Texas A&M's offense. I, I, that's what I'm so interested to see the rest of the season. Cause like UNC's offense has been pretty good, but they also scored 35 against Georgia state. So it wasn't, it's not like, like 63 is a lot of points. Right? <laughs> and also like, they allowed what 60. Yeah. So, I mean, they were, they were giving up a ton. So you'd, you'd think that they would not be great defensively. And they gave up a ton in the bowl game last year, which made me think, Oh wait, they're not great on defense, but they controlled the clock against Texas AM. They looked like the better team really. Did did you see the time of possession discrepancy? Wasn't it like 40 to 20 or something? It was something. Let me let me pull it up exactly what it was because they pulled it up like with seven minutes left in the game. Crazy. I think at that point, Texas A&M had, had like 16 minutes of possession. And I was like, that's 
It was 41 minutes and 29 seconds, App State, 18 minutes and 31 seconds for Texas A&M. That is the number six team in the country that App State didn't just control the ball over, just dominated the ball. And, like, you can say whatever you want about A&M's program and Jimbo Fisher and all that. They're bringing in, like, top three recruiting classes. They have the number one recruiting class. Yes. Every year for, like, the last five years, they've been, like, top five with, like, multiple number one recruiting classes. So, like, whoever they have there, regardless of if it's working or not, they're super talented. It's a team that beat Alabama last year. Like, they have some really good players. So, to win that game was something and then georgia southern caps off the night with a win at nebraska they're transitioning from a triple option to a more airing it out spread attack they threw for 400 yards they ran for over 200 yards they put over 600 yards of offense up at nebraska win that game by three they get scott frost fired like it was was just can we talk about what we said on last week's podcast though yeah we probably should we literally said we both picked nebraska to win and we both said if they lose this game, Scott Frost is fired immediately. And I think within 12 hours of losing that game, he lost his job. I'm not celebrating anyone losing their job. It's sad. But, man, were we on that one? We were also not on Appalachian State and Marshall winning. But I will say you were very much on Georgia Southern plus 23.5 points at Nebraska. You made a point to say that that was a pretty good spot for them to cover. They did not only cover, they won. <laughs> Woo! So, so we were at least like somewhat engaged with one of those upsets because I didn't think the other two would be as nearly as competitive as they were, but that was really impressive. And other games around the Sun Belt last weekend, um, we won't focus too much on them considering there were losses, but Georgia State gives UNC all it can handle and nearly wins that game. They lose by a touchdown. Um, There was a touchdown in the fourth quarter by UNC to win that one. Old Dominion had a pretty solid showing against Eastern Carolina. Um, And then scrolling through some other ones, Texas State beat FIU somehow. Um, And I say that like, I, I don't know what I mean by that. But, and then the fun one of the weekend is Coastal barely escapes against FCS Gardner Webb. Surprised by that one. There were, there were a couple interesting ones. Like, Louisiana kind of struggled early. Um, their box score is hilarious, though. I guess they were down. Uh, let me make sure I've got it correct. I think it was at least 14 nothing. I don't know if they went down 21 nothing or yeah. if it was just 14 nothing. Their box score is amazing. Yeah, so they go down 14 nothing, and then they <laughs> outscore out Eastern Michigan 49-7 to in the second half. So... Um, pretty good there, I would say. That's that's a way to wake up for them. They technically have the nation's longest winning streak, which I think they've said a lot of times. Uh, not totally sold on them this year. I think they have some weaknesses, but nice for them to win. And I was actually impressed with South Alabama that was a five-point underdog at Central Michigan, which is a decent MAC team. They won that game on the road by 14. So not the same level, obviously. It's like beating yeah, no, A&M no. on the road. <laughs> <laughs> but one that's like sneaky impressive. And I do think it's somewhat important for the league to get something out of the West. And I think they're, they're showing that they're getting a little bit there. I think South Alabama's good. Uh, I actually think Southern Miss is going to end up being good. They're Owen two, but they, I'm sorry to say you've got to get off the Southern Miss bandwagon. I'm not getting off the I Southern Miss bandwagon. I don't know why you're on the Southern Miss bandwagon. They're Owen two. No, 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 no. They're Owen two. Last year, they had to start Frank Gore Jr. as a quarterback. The only redeeming quality. 
the only redeeming quality about this team is that they have Frank Gore Jr. So that's not fair because that's their schedule. They played Miami this week. They're not beating Miami. Who they, they who they their... play last week? Who they play last week? Liberty and it went to overtime or multiple overtimes. They lost by two. And they lost. Yeah, but their schedule gets easier and more manageable in the West. I think they're a sneaky dark horse play in the West. I like them. Maybe that's because I played to bet on them. There's there like a them. strong chance they are one in three heading into Sunbelt play. They play Northwestern State this week. That's a win. That's a win. Then they play at Tulane. That one might be a loss too. I still think they can win the West because <laughs> I don't think the West is anywhere close to the East. I I disagree with that. I think they'll hang in there. South Alabama, though, that was a good win. ODU I have more faith in South Alabama ECU. than I do in Southern Miss. Yeah, I think South Alabama is probably a better team, but I still like Southern Miss as, <laughs> as a dark horse. So some some respectable showings across the league. Texas State sucked against uh, Nevada, and then they, you know, FIU stinks, but they still beat them by like 30. So that was kind of good to see that they aren't completely uh, hapless. So some pretty good results overall. It was. The Georgia Southern, and I know there's a, like, Marshall did beat number eight Notre Dame, and App State did beat number six Texas A&M, and you can't overstate those wins. But I I think the Georgia Southern win over Nebraska is more impressive. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a quote-unquote hot take. But I, I just think what Coastal in the middle of, what, not Coastal, excuse me, what Georgia Southern is in the middle of, they're, transitioning from the triple option into whatever they're doing with Clay Helton now. And Nebraska is a hapless team that has no captain at the, you know, at the helm. Um, and, but they're George, they're Georgia Southern. They shouldn't beat Nebraska on the road. And not only that, Clay Helton had been fired. This is just a fun fact. Clay Helton had been fired about 363 days prior to that game. And then he ended up, putting an end to uh, Scott Frost's tenure in Nebraska nearly a year to the day. But to me, the Georgia Southern win was very, very surprising. 400 yards through the air, um, a touchdown, 37 of 56, going from a triple option attack to a team that throws it 56 times is insane. It's like they're obviously a really proud program with like a rich history, but they're in yeah. such a rebuild, like you mentioned, where it's like – a like, an insane rebuild. And you look at what's happening at Georgia Tech, right? They're doing the same exact thing and trying to transition away from a triple option. And they're one of the worst teams in the country. Georgia like Southern. Four years, it just hasn't worked. Yeah, <laughs> and Georgia Southern does not have the same resources Georgia Tech has. And they just went on the road and beat a Big Ten team. And I know it's Nebraska, but like they were supposed to be this year. Yeah. That was, I mean, that's just a great. A great win overall. Really impressed by that one. And um, all of that's interesting. We got to talk about the East in a second. And maybe we'll tie this in with some of JMU's stats. So I think we actually probably should talk about the Sun Belt East because I've been listening to a bunch of podcasts and reading stories this week, Jack. And I think every team in the Sun Belt East thinks they're going to win like eight games, which won't happen. Like some of the team, like what? I think almost everyone thinks they're going to like contend for the Sunbelt East in the East, which just isn't actually how it's going to play out. But I think it's fascinating. List the teams in the East for the listeners. Okay. So we'll, we'll go by the standings here, which are just overall record. So it's coastal Carolina, Georgia Southern, JMU and Marshall. Those are your two and O teams. Then you have Appalachian state old dominion are at one and one. And Georgia State, who I actually think is pretty good, is 0-2. 
Those are your seven. Yep. Someone's going to have to finish at the bottom of the East, but nobody thinks they will. Like, if you're a Coastal fan, you're like, we got Grayson McCall. We're going to be great. <laughs> well, they're going to lose Jamie Chadwell. Yeah, well, he might bail. But you're, you've got, like, JMU thinks they're great. Georgia Southern's really high on themselves now. I was listening. I think it was just a maybe a student meeting, but they talked about now, like, the expectation is we got to go to a bowl, which is probably too lofty for Georgia Southern, even with a Nebraska win. I don't think you're going to a bowl. And then you've got like Marshall, which is talking of making like a New Year's Six Bowl. I think Appalachian State thinks they're a great team as well. ODU is not that good, even though they beat Virginia Tech. Um, and then you've also got Georgia State, which is 0-2, but I think has a pretty good team. I don't know. Like everyone in the East thinks they're good. But at some point, someone in the East is going to have to lose a bunch of games, you would think. So I'm going to say who I think finishes last in the Sun Belt, and I'm going to okay, say yeah. who I think finishes first in the Sun Belt East. And I want you to do the same. Okay. I'm going to start with last place in the Sun Belt East. It's going to be ODU and JMU at the bottom. Really? You think JMU is at the bottom? And then I think at the top, it's Marshall and Appalachian State. I like the top. I think Marshall's going to win the league. I think Marshall's winning the league too. I was looking and... at I was looking at expected wins and losses. Uh, b- before the season, Marshall had like a ten and two predicted record. Yeah. Like they were predicted to be good, and one of those two losses was this week against Notre Dame. So they are outperforming expectations already. And App State, you don't go into Texas A and M and win by a fluke. And and even like even though their defense gave up sixty three or whatever to North Carolina, they did score sixty one and like hang in the game. So like <laughs> yeah. good showing against North Carolina and Texas A and M is a pretty good sign. I think JMU's got a chance to be kind of toward the top. We'll see. Um, I think ODU is a safe bet to the bottom. I actually think Georgia Southern's a pretty safe bet to be toward the bottom. Like, I know they beat Nebraska. I know they played well. But I think reality is about to hit them very, very fast in the coming weeks. What do you think about teams like App State who've allowed the most points in the Sun Belt East? They've allowed 77 points this season. And Georgia State, they've allowed 70 points this season so far. Um, and Georgia State's 0-2. Maybe are we hyperinflating Georgia State based off of what we thought, well, based upon preseason expectations? Do you think there's any chance Georgia State isn't as good as you think and they're fighting with ODU at the bottom of the Sun Belt East? There's a chance they're not as good as I think. But I, I like playing North Carolina and South Carolina in the first two weeks. Yeah. It's pretty and competing hard. in both of them. Yeah. So I think some of that is like schedule, like a lot of it's schedule, like coastal. Mm-hmm through the first two weeks, looked like crap. Like, if you said Coastal at the bottom, I would actually not argue with you. Especially because they've allowed 55 points, and one of those was an FCS team, and JMU also played an FCS team. Like, if you look at Coastal and JMU's schedule, kind of similar. Um, Coastal's probably a little bit more difficult. I think JMU's 122nd in strength of schedule right now. Coastal's yeah. probably not much better, though, because Gardner-Webb's not that great. But... Coastal's allowed 41 more points than JMU has this season. Yeah, Coastal's Gardner-Webb performance wasn't great. I, I guess I should give them more credit. The week one Army win is actually decent. I think Army's going to be like an eight-win team. So that one was good. They won by 10 at home. That's like a solid win. Uh, they gave UTSA a really good game. I love UTSA. They're like my favorite <laughs> team in the country now. But anyway. Is Sincere McCormick still the running back? He's gone. He's gone. But Frank, have you watched Frank Harris play? No. At quarterback? No. He's a lefty dude. He moves around a ton, slings it. He's got like 650 passing yards through two games. It was against Houston and Army. They play Texas this week. 
<laughs> they might win that thing. Anyway, uh, I don't know. It's just like the Sun Belt East is crazy. I do have to go on my quick little JMU. Yeah, I, I, that's why I teed you up. I teed you up with the strength of schedule there. I knew where you were going with it's this. It's just like the JMU fans need to chill a little bit, right? We're like, oh, my God, we looked apart. We're going to go to Boone. We're going to give him a fight. It's like, well, the schedule, according to ESPN's, like, strength of schedule, is 122nd out of 131 teams. Like, Middle Tennessee, which did beat Colorado State, even though they were an 11.5-point underdog, they won by 15. So maybe there's something there. Maybe they're, like, a 6-6 six and six team. But it's not a particularly hard game, especially at home. Norfolk State's terrible. So they played two games that are not hard, and they've looked good. I will say that. Their strength of record on ESPN uh, is 45th. And some game control metric that ESPN has has them as 14th nationally because they haven't trailed, right? They've just blown teams out immediately and then kind of held on to the lead throughout and looked really good. So they're playing really well. Their performance is really good. But the schedule has sucked. The schedule has been horrible. So I think we need to calm down a little bit, and I've been guilty of it too, where it's like we lead the nation in scoring – and we're this in defense, and we're this and that. And it's like, well, they haven't played anyone. Of course, they're like, you know, at the top. That makes sense. So it's not that shocking that their stats are great because they haven't played anyone of merit. Right? Like, they haven't they haven't done anything that impressive yet. They played really well, I will say that. But the schedule gets so much harder, like, every week the rest of the season. Yeah, I think this week will be the true litmus test of how good this team – not this week, excuse me, the bye next week. week. Yeah, the bye <laughs> week is the true litmus. As everyone knows, you don't want to pick up that infamous L during your bye week. No, I think the App State game is going to be the true litmus test where we figure yeah. out like where this team stands in the Sun Belt, specifically the Sun Belt East. But I also will say this isn't JMU fans being upset at them for thinking JMU is really good. I will say I think their love for the Sun Belt East has come th- to fruish- fruition. Like mm-hmm. at the beginning of the season, I remember thinking, JMU fans are so high on the Sun Belt and Sun Belt East. It's really not that good, guy. Like, come on. It's good, but I it's this isn't the American of two years ago. This isn't the American of last year. Come on. And then they did this this week, and I'm like, oh, I was very wrong. This Sun Belt East is a good, good, good G5 league. I think like most Sunbelt fans were super high on it. And I was like, yeah, I love the Sunbelt, but maybe calm down. Yeah, and then when they did this, it was like, oh my God. Like it's, <laughs> it's like regional rivalries and it's teams that are like top 25 good. Like maybe multiple teams for years to come that are like not just top 50 good, but maybe you've got, you know, two or three teams in the East who are like top 25 caliber teams, which is yeah. kind of crazy to think, but I think it's not unrealistic, especially as it gets more, publicity and good performances you would think the recruiting would only get easier right it's like you play a 12 game schedule yeah eight of your games your fans care a ton about and like the other non-conference ones you're probably getting some pretty fun in-state stuff maybe an fcs game it's like games that matter you play good enough teams that nfl scouts will notice you you're in a an area that cares about football like it it does seem one that's like oh they're probably going to get some like really good three four star kids you're playing on television. You're playing yep. in prime time, probably at least once a year if you're a good team. So yeah, you're right. I agree. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Okay, I do want to. I didn't put this in the outline, but I want to spring this on. I'm, you. I'm so sorry. If it's on the outline, <laughs> we can't do it. That's just, that's the rule. <laughs> well, all right, let's move on then. Wait, what is it? <laughs> I was looking <laughs> earlier in the week, and I was like, let me reset my record projection 
Jack, you okay. gotta tell me why they're not gonna go nine and two. <laughs> no, we have to do this again. <laughs> I think they're gonna go nine and two. What are their losses? <laughs> okay, so the rest <laughs> of the schedule, let's just go through it. They have a bye week and then they play So L, okay. It's I keep pronouncing this wrong and now I'm in my own head because apparently they get really offended if you pronounce it wrong. It's like Appalachian state and not Appalachian. You have to get I, Appalachian. Appalachian. I yeah. think have I been saying I've, I've alternated I've alternated every time throughout the podcast because say, say app. You can just app, say app say state. It. Hopefully that doesn't happen. So they, <laughs> but it's on Jamie's schedule, so it can't be too offensive. They play app state on the road on September twenty fourth. What do you think that one is? App state on the road September twenty fourth. I think it's a close L. Yeah, I think that's probably a loss too. Okay, but then they go home against Texas State. I think both of these, both of these, Texas State and Arkansas State. Arkansas State will be a test. They're not a good team, but being on the road, your first Sun Belt road game, it's going to be tough. But I think Texas State, Arkansas State, they're going to pick up both wins against the Sun Belt West, which I know where you're going with this. They're going to be sitting at 4-1 and one then, heading into a part of a schedule where why can't they win a few more? I think Georgia Southern is not actually good. But it's I think at be- Georgia Southern. I don't. I don't care. Okay. I don't think that's I think it's a that's, loss. That's a fair point. That's a fair, I think they're going to win that one. I think it's a loss. You think it's a loss? Okay, so you got them at four and two. Yes. Then they got Marshall on homecoming. That I atmosphere, think, regardless of record, that atmosphere should. Be I great. don't. You can't argue atmosphere when Marshall just went to Notre Dame and won. <laughs> I don't care what the atmosphere is on homecoming weekend. Notre Dame's quarterback. Twenty-five thousand like at Bridge North pales in comparison to touchdown Jesus. No, no, they lose that game. You think they're four and three? Yes. I don't know. I think they could win. And then they've got Louisville, ODU, Georgia State, Coastal to end the year. I think there are a lot of wins here. I think it's a loss at Louisville. I think Louisville's first week performance against Syracuse way blew them out of the water. People were way too low on Louisville. I think Louisville's good. I think that's a loss. I know they did. I was on Louisville on that one. Um, I think they win at ODU. I think we travel to that really well, and I think that'll be a home game for JMU. And then I think we beat Georgia State because I'm not as high on Georgia State as you are, and I think Coastal's a loss. Coastal stings. I think – I don't know. I could see us winning a lot of games. I will say I'm very excited for the rest of the season. I'll, let me, me. Can I say this real quick, just so yeah. I don't sound like a complete like poo poo on this season? How many I wins? Want is that for you? Um, one, two, two after our six, six wins. But that, I, I, I want to say, yeah, I just want to say, as I'm poo pooing on this schedule, um, and as the season goes on, I will be very excited, and in my full heart of hearts. I believe JMU can win each and every one of these games. I'm not saying, like, this is six wins, it's a lost seat, whatever it is. I'm just saying, like, from a non-biased perspective, which I'm trying to do right now, so I'm trying to talk you off of this 9-2 and cliff you're standing on. I just think temper your expectations. Go into each game expecting a win. Go into each game thinking JMU is going to be really competitive and it's going to be a fun game. But at the end of the day, if they're sitting there at four and seven to finish the season, it's not a failure of a season. There are no expectations. There is no pressure for this season. Nothing matters. I think that's maybe the most important point is like they should go into every game like guns blazing. If we win it, great. If we lose it, who cares? Like there's no actual pressure. Like I think every other team in the Sun Belt East has pressure at this point because you're looking at like, 
don't know if you're Georgia state, you want to have a good conference season now because you missed chances at South Carolina and North Carolina. You want to make sure you're good enough in conference play to even make a bowl game. If you're ODU, maybe not a ton of pressure. You beat Virginia Tech. You're not expected to be great. You're picked to finish last or whatever. But then, like, <laughs> Appalachian, Appalachian, <laughs> App State. Just say both of them really quick. Just Appalachian, Appalachian oh, State. At this point. App State, huge expectations, right? You've played two Power 5 teams incredibly well, including a win. Like, you'd expect to be in, like, good Power 5 teams. You would expect to be at the top of the league. Marshall, you just beat Notre Dame. Georgia Southern, you have a win at Nebraska, so if you like fall flat in conference play, you're probably a little ticked, even though you realize it's a rebuild. In Coastal, the last few years, you've built up this expectation, and you have a returning quarterback. Yeah. You expect to be good. So like, I think there's a legitimate pressure on those teams. Like Kurt Signetti and JMU, I don't think there's really any, any actual pressure, which makes it super exciting, and I think I'll probably come to reality in the, the App State game. But I also feel like they've looked so good through two weeks. That I don't know. I'm interested to see how they do. I like how the schedule sets up. I think they could win some games. But I will say, I think six is a good number and a realistic number, which would also be very successful. So kind of the similar to how I felt before. If they can get above 500, I think that's a great year, given how strong this division is. Can I say... I don't know where I was segueing with that. I agree with what you said. I want to spring something else up on you that wasn't in the outline. Oh, wow. Are we, are we allowed to do that? <laughs> hey, it's Pandora's box is all I've got to say. Here's the question. Are you ready for this? Yes. What are Todd Santeo's Heisman chances as of – is it better or worse than Bryce Young's? Hit me. <laughs> I would say worse, but that's only because Texas <laughs> blew it in the final minutes and they had a weird missed field goal earlier in the game but i will say if they beat if they beat app state i think like the jmu into the top 25 train <laughs> is going to be hilarious i think the centeo heisman campaign is going to be hilarious because fans are going to do it and i will i'll probably do it but they're they've played so well through two games that i'm interested to see how they do but it's just such a different environment and i think the thing that i kept thinking about earlier this week was like the last time they played in kind of a hostile environment was the um, the road game at North Dakota State. And they looked like crap in the first half. Like They looked, they looked like, like crap that whole game. Well, Coaching, they rallied a little playing, in the half. That was a terrible game. But they looked like they didn't even belong in the field for the first half. Like they looked yeah. frightened and they were getting torched by a fullback. Like he was a huge mismatch who was killing them. So <laughs> very interested to see how in this situation – on the road against a good team that has multiple mismatches, how do you actually show up? Because it's one thing to like have fun beating up on middle Tennessee or cruising over Norfolk state. But when you play a team that is hosting game day this week and just beat a top 10 team in the country, and it's going to be a sellout. How do you respond to that? Cause it's not like anything they've played in so far this year. Can I ask you one last question that wasn't on the outline and then we'll go into app state JMU mini preview. Um, Odds game days coming to Boone for JMU app. Back to back. They just stay in Boone for like the rest of the season. I would say hi. <laughs> I okay. did like that. I poo pooed it where it was like no chance. And then they are going to a one in one app state, which I found surprising. It's a bad slate of games this week and like way worse than next week, but still one in one app state getting game day surprised me moderately. I don't think they're even ranked. They're not, but I mean, coming off of the biggest in, in college football, recent memory I, I think that and on top of the fact that they were the ones that did the fcs over michigan 
upset. Like, it'll there's be a lot a, of storylines. It'll be an incredible atmosphere. I was just <laughs> like, oh, wow. Like, I didn't, I would not have pegged them as on the radar, but I also thought they were going to lose by like three scores. So, fair. Um, that leads us to App State is up next. Um, it's yeah. not this Saturday, but it's next Saturday. We'll do a deeper dive next week, but I think I just want to kind of throw this out there, talk about it at length, because a lot of things can change after they play Troy this weekend. Chase Bryce is really good. Their defense, we don't know if it's good or not. I guess this week we'll get a better feeling for it. Um, early expectations for App State. Interested to see how it goes, obviously. My expectations is that they'll be fairly competitive. I kind of think they're going to lose. But I also like, I feel like they have a couple guys who could be like mismatches. Like I think Centeo, because of his legs, is hard to prepare for. Chris Thornton's a freak, man. Like the dude is always open. He's very fast. You mentioned Ravenel playing well. Reggie Brown's expected to be healthy. I thought Signetti was kind of funny in the post game when he had like three guys who were like, I mean, they're pretty much fine, but we were playing Norfolk State, which is not what he actually said. But that was kind of the gist of it was like, hey, like, why risk an injury in this game when we have a bye week and then a major game that like is <laughs> huge to, to my legacy as a coach and like everything about this program. Like that one matters way more than this one. Um, so probably some smart stuff by him and the training staff to make sure guys are healthy. But I think the receivers are good. The running back group looks pretty good. Like there's some stuff offensively I think they can do. And then even the defensive line has some guys who are really good. So it's not like App State can just cruise in there and and, you know show up and do whatever they want. And I want to hear your thoughts on this. Could it be a letdown? They play North Carolina week one. They beat Texas A&M week two. They have game day week three. Could week four be a little app state letdown emotionally? No, this is the, <laughs> this is the letdown week. Like you think this one's a letdown even with game day? Yeah. Yes. Have you seen JMU Richmond? That's probably fair. <laughs> like, once the show ends, there's just an automatic letdown. This is the letdown week. Um, everything. I mean, it could be a little bit of next week, but I think this is the letdown week. There's so much up. There's so much hype around this program. Now, if they go out and like destroy Troy by I hope forty they beat points, Troy by sixty, yeah. Yeah, if they if they demolish Troy, then yeah, next week will probably be the letdown. But I don't think the hangover of beating Texas A&M is going to last through next Saturday. That's probably fair. It'll be interesting to see how it how it. I'm like fascinated to watch this game and see how JMU stacks up against a real team. This is also, I think, a huge um, huge middle finger to the whole like why would they want to play in the Cheese It Bowl instead of the FCS playoffs kind of game because of this because of Marshall on homecoming. Because of a road game at ODU, because of ending the year with Coastal at home. Just a huge screw you to all those people who are like, the FCS is actually better. We're, yeah, we're anti-FCS. We've gone on record now. We're anti-FCS. <laughs> happened in the FCS that we were like, oh, that happened, but it doesn't matter because we're not in the FCS. It's something happened this last weekend where we were texting and this makes a last... podcast fodder. When was the last time you cared about a September JMU game? Like truly cared? I, I pretended to care about the Weaver State game, but I, I cannot say that I was actually engaged in that game. <laughs> um, I would say I cared about NC State. Yeah, so West it's when Virginia, they had a Power 5 team, right? ECU. <laughs> if you see a trend, yes, that is the trend. Um, no, you're right. And I, 
when was the last time you were excited about an October JMU game, an early November JMU game? The Middle Tennessee game felt like a FCS playoff game against VMI. Mm -hmm. You know you're going to go out there and you're the better team, but it's still fun. Like, there's still pressure on the game. And I think that's the fact with the FBS is, yeah, you're not playing in the playoffs, but you are playing for a bowl game, and every game matters. You couldn't say that about the FCS playoffs or the FCS regular season. Every game did not matter. Very true. Very true. Very true. Also, I, I also just want to say this. Yeah, go ahead. That was really awkward. That both was pretty good. We both this. did the same thing. Um, I do want to say real quick, Chase Bryce, he is tearing it up. 155 efficiency rating, um, seven touchdowns, 255 yards per game. He only completes the ball 59% of the time, though. So that might be something to watch out for. I just want to throw them, that out there. I thought for them to beat AM, he would have had a throw for like 400 yards. He's like 15 of 30 for a buck 50, which makes me almost <laughs> more frightened of them. Yeah, that actually makes me really <laughs> scared that they're able to run on a Texas AM defense. Yeah, that was kind of alarming. But I was just going to say that I hope that the players and coaches have some like time in the bye week where they don't have to focus on football. Um, Signetti announced before the game Saturday that his father passed away, which I thought was tough to then have to coach in a game um, and having the bye week. I hope that he is able to like take time alone and Jamie players with some of the Sunbelt pressure coming up can take time to not have to focus on football too. I know everyone talks like bye week prep. Like I hope they're just going crazy on game film and, and practices. It's like, well, hopefully they also like just don't focus on football for, at least some period of time. Cause regardless of what happens this season, I think it's a fun year. And I hope that, you know, I know mental health was obviously a huge conversation point in the spring um, with JMU athletics and what happened with the softball program. So I hope the football team as there's added pressure or intrigue and interest in the Sunbelt games, them and the coaching staff also have time to unwind and not focus on sports. And something in the post game press conference during a sad moment with Signetti but kind of brought, I think, a smile to his face and some of the people in the press conference. He starts off the press conference saying the four or five bad things that he hated about the game and how he's going to go in and coach and he used to watch the film and then brings his father passing and then goes, but he'd have like three pages of the things we did wrong. And it's like, <laughs> ah, the apple does not fall far from the tree. I understand it a lot more now. That part always cracks me up with like fans too, where they're like, oh my God, I just wish we were better at this. It's like, I guarantee you the coaching staff has seen that like 13 times on film already this week. So they're working on that. There's not too many things that they probably seen the first two weeks in terms of flaws to actually improve. But yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to the Appalachian State game, Appalachian State game, however you want to say. <laughs> and, and, no, but I do hope the the team and the coaches have time to not, not do football during the the bye and then i know fans are excited i think a decent amount of people probably not a crazy amount in terms of like what's allotted but i think there's a good contingent of jmu fans who are excited to actually go to boone i really wanted to go but i'm gonna that's like a bucket list thing it's like a road game at appalachian state so uh sorry at where (laughs) i think i got it right that time (laughs) but at at app state put it on the bucket list that place is nuts, man. I'm looking forward to game day too, just for like the first 30 minutes of it to see the atmosphere in the end when they do the headgear or whatever. Yeah, for sure. Well, drum roll, please. It's time for the weekly. You like the music we got going? 
Yeah. Do you like that I'm three games ahead of you already? All right. So we're going into the Sunbelt Pick'em, everyone. It's week three of the famous Pick'em segment here on the JMU Sports News Podcast. Bennett Conlin is 22-6. and six. He's absolutely tearing it up this season, averaging just two losses a week. But close behind... Don't worry, it's me, Jack Fitzpatrick, at 19-9. <laughs> a little bit of a tough draw the first couple of weeks, missing out on a game each time. But just three games behind the maestro, Bennett Conlon, who's never lost the weekly pick'em segment. Here's if we've been doing this podcast. Yeah, I'm going to beat you. Let's do this. We're also not, we're not that great because it's like straight money line and some of these games are like 40-point favorites. <laughs> yeah, we're actually ter- If we did the spread... We'd be pretty bad, I think. Well, if we did the spread, I think we'd, we'd hit it better. Cause I think Actually, we probably would... try. We might have taken, like, Marshall plus 20 and a half or whatever. In fairness, I said take Georgia Southern. That's true. That's true. <laughs> you would have gotten 20. that one instead of the Nebraska money line. All right. All right. That's... You're right. All right. So, starting things off, Texas travels to number 17, Baylor. Does the Sun Belt magic it's wear Texas. off this week? <laughs> Texas. Did I say? Texas State you, travels you to Baylor. State. <laughs> I must have missed it. Uh, only 30-point favorites. There was some, like, Texas State fan that I saw on Twitter that was like, people were going to go crazy once we upset Baylor. Like, like it was a foregone conclusion. What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Give me Baylor by a billion. Baylor by a billion. Fantastic alliteration. Give me Baylor as well. Give me Baylor by a million, but Baylor nonetheless. Buffalo. They travel to Coastal Carolina to take on the Chanticleers in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Who do you got? This line's scaring me because the line was like like 19 points earlier in the week, and it looks like on ESPN it's like 14. Coastal is the favorite. Didn't look good last week, but I think they'll rally. I don't think Buffalo's great, so I think Coastal wins that one at home. I'm going Buffalo. Oh, I love that. Just for fun. Move on. South Alabama, they they head to the Rose Bowl to take on the Bruins of UCLA. 2 p.m. Pac-12 Network, a 11 a.m. local kick. Who do you got? This is a remarkably stupid pick, but I don't care. I'm taking South Alabama. I'm high on them. Do you see the photo of UCLA's home crowd the other day? Yeah, I don't There's care. There. There's nobody there. So this isn't even like a hard road game. I think South Alabama is sneaky good. I think they're going to be fired up. I think UCLA is going to be going through the motions. I think South Alabama, which is only a 15.5 point favorite. I love them to cover, but I'll say they win just for fun. South Alabama is a 15.5 point favorite? Sorry, they're a 15.5 point dog. UCLA is the oh. favorite. That'd be Ooh. nuts. <laughs> I was like, that's a lot. Wow. I'm rethinking all of my picks. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm going UCLA. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Yeah, the crowd might not be good, but there's this thing called a flight. Um, there's a thing called time zones. There's a thing called coasts, all of which South Alabama is not accustomed to. Well, it'll be 2 o'clock their time, their body clock time. I think it'll be 1 o'clock. I think Alabama's in Central. Oh, are they technically Central? That's even better. <laughs> okay, sorry, sorry. ODU travels to Scott Stadium, a place you've spent many a night. This game is so bad. <laughs> Who do you have? Can ODU pull off the Virginia School gauntlet and beat Virginia Tech, UVA, and JMU this season? You see how bad UVA was last week? 
Do you see UVA also almost lost to Richmond? They sucked against Richmond, and then they lost 24-3. to They're supposed to have, like, this great... UVA fans all offseason were like, I think Brennan Armstrong's a Heisman candidate. 13 for 32, 180 yards, no touchdowns, and two interceptions. You ain't getting the Heisman with that. Strike the post. Like, what are you talking about? So that was a nonsensical one. They are eight and a half point favorites in this game. I'm tempted to take ODU, which is coming off a tough loss themselves, but I don't want to. Do I buy too much into the Sunbelt hype? I don't know. Because I think Virginia's average, but I also think ODU is kind of average. I'll say Virginia because they lost. If they had like won a close, ugly one against Illinois, I'd probably take ODU. I think I'm taking ODU against the spread, but I'll say Virginia wins. Okay, I'm going to go ODU wins. Okay. I just think it's got to be different than you there. I could see it happening. One of these teams has to win. So it's going to be probably pretty, pretty ugly. Troy at App State. I think that's an App State win. Even though it's a potential letdown spot with game day in town, I don't think Troy has enough offensively in this one. I think App okay. State will be good and win. I'm going App State as well. It is a prime letdown spot. This is the epitome of the trap game. You're coming off of the win against Texas A&M. Game day is in your house. All of that. But App State also has Chase Bryce. They also have a really dynamic run game. They have a defense that held one of the best teams in the country to one offensive touchdown. I think things are moving in the right direction for the Mountaineers. Give me App State to beat Troy. Fair enough. Moving on. I like how you said fair enough, even though we both agreed. <laughs> Georgia Southern at UAB. Also happening Saturday on the soccer pitch. Charlotte men's soccer is taking on the Blazers as well. I think it's going to be a two-loss day for the Blazers. Are you announcing that game? I am. It's <laughs> completely irrelevant to, to anyone listening. <laughs> well, are you, is that televised? It's on ESPN+. Plus. I might tune into that. I love – or I'll definitely watch the replay. I love watching your, your broadcast. you got to tell me when you do these. Anyway, uh, UAB is a 12-point favorite, which I thought was fascinating. Considering wow. Southern just well, UAB crap. is also really good at football. They're pretty solid. So I love UAB in this spot. I think they cover. I think it's a blowout. I think Georgia Southern won their Super Bowl last week. And they'll they'll kind of rally and get some stuff together for some competitive Sun Belt games. But um, they're going to lose this game. They're not actually that good. Yeah, I'm going to go UAB too. I know I just said they're going to take two losses on that day. There's no way UAB loses this one. I forgot how good they were at football. Um <laughs> University of Louisiana Monroe, UL Monroe, heads to number two Alabama. Can the Sun Belt West have as good of a day as the Sun Belt East this Saturday? Yeah, I watched the Alabama Texas game, and it's you basically just got to scheme them up. Alabama doesn't have guys. I don't think they have the talent this year. So <laughs> you can put some scheme things in place. <laughs> I could see Louisiana Monroe covering the forty-nine point spread. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll, I'll take Alabama here. I want, I bet there's some anger there where I actually think they might win this by like 70. I think if you're an Alabama football player this week, your life was literal hell. Like Nick Saban <laughs> prop. Did you also see the Alabama players doing the horns down gesture? At like the a end lot of, the of them. Yeah. After they barely won. And then Nick Saban said, don't do that S word. Um, I feel bad for Alabama players. It was probably a tough week. Of, it's It probably is ongoing of a tough week yeah. of practice after that game. Give me Alabama as well. Marshall at Bowling Green. This one's on NFL Network. Makes sense. 
<laughs> I think Marshall, they're a 16 and a half point favorite from what I'm seeing here. I think they'll win this game, even though it's a prime letdown spot. They might not cover, but it's a big enough spread that I think they're good. I was cracking up because their, their coach, uh, Charles Huff, they had him. There was some interview with him. And on the Jim like, Rome show. Come on, man. And it wasn't that one. It was I think it was actually just the Sunbelt media one. But he did do the Jim Rome one, which is really good. But he had an interview in like the Sunbelt coaches call. And somebody asked him, they're like, do you think this could be a letdown spot? And he was like, no. He's like, if you if you told me that, that we came here to beat Notre Dame, I would have taken January through July off, hung out and had some fun, and then come back in July <laughs> and put together a good game plan if that was the only game that mattered. So uh, I think he's going to like – make it very clear that they should not have a letdown. And I think they'll be fine against an 0-2 pulling green team. Yeah, that's a great quote. Um, I'm giving you Marshall as well. Um, Northwestern State takes on Southern Miss. I mean, I think Southern Miss, most of us agree, is going to win the West. So I, th- I like them to bounce back here and, and get in the win column. <laughs> well, I heavily disagree with your Southern Miss love that I truly do not understand. I, too, am going Southern Miss to win this one. Because Northwestern State just is not good. I got Southern Miss at plus 900 to win the West. That was a steal. No. Okay, whatever. We <laughs> won't get into future steal. bets where your failures of a better are. Arkansas State travels to Memphis. Who do you got? Memphis is not that good. Neither is Arkansas four- State. That's very true. Memphis is a 14-point favorite. I kind of think Arkansas State could cover here, but I like Memphis to win. I'm going to go Memphis as well. Arkansas State's just so bad. Yeah. Ooh, this is a good one. Charlotte at Georgia State. Is it a good one? Your teams are combined 0-5. Georgia State, I think, is still decent. Charlotte stinks. 19-point favorite Georgia State is. I like them to win. I like them to win and cover. Like Probably. With, yeah. with ease. I think they or win Charlotte's this game so by, like, 28 points. Like, Charlotte's not a good football team. How bad, Louise, think, how bad did Maryland get them? Uh, Maryland had 300 yards passing in the first half. Okay. I think I don't know when they. It looks the like dogs 30. Yeah, I think 35. So they're oh, Charlotte's 0 and 3 against the spread. They're terrible. Yeah, they're they're not good. Um, Louisiana at Rice. Louisiana wasn't thrilled with their first half performance, but they rallied well. I think they will win this and keep their nation's longest winning streak alive. I I agree. I don't think Rice is all that good. Um, it is at Rice in Houston, Texas. Uh, but I don't think that really matters much as Louisiana will get it done. Can we talk about some of these spreads real quick? The fact that the only single-digit spread is Old Dominion UVA. Kind of a stinker of a week. Which I thought last week, too. But there were three huge upsets. But, like, some some non-exciting games, I would say. Yeah, no, not at all. None of those games jump off the page. The only one that semi-interests me is Troy App State just for, like, the atmosphere. But I don't know that the game will be great. Georgia Southern UAB kind of interests me just because I yeah granted fun. that game could also get out of hand by the first half and so it could quickly become not fun but I kind of want to see does Georgia Southern build upon what they did last week at all and and just kind of have that type of interest going into it yeah I think that's fair some I'll pick them hoping to maintain my lead I have a feeling I'm catching up there I think I have three different picks in you you could tie me or you could be down I, six games let's go or we can keep this pace. Either I'll gain one or lose one this week. That is that is math. Those are the two options. All right, anything else you got to add? Oh, men's soccer did snap their three-game losing streak. 
they did that. I saw a volleyball woman today, which is Wednesday. So I think they're, yeah, they're five and six and three now. Six and three, and they start Sunbelt play at App or no, sorry, home against App State next weekend. So they don't play again until Friday of next week. So they got about a week off, and then they start conference play where they're expected to be one of the better teams in the conference. Field hockey snuck into the top 25 at number 25. I think that was after two losses too. So I don't, I don't understand exactly how that works, but they were competitive, I guess. So anyway, they're ranked. Uh, women's soccer looks pretty good. I think they have conference play coming up. So we got some conference play. It'll be interesting to see if the Dukes can, uh, can make a run at a couple Sunbelt titles. Love it. Ben Conlon. My name is Jack Fitzpatrick. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day. See you. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.